Welcome to the SeaWorld The Conservatives Podcast. Today it's a conference takeover special. I'm Jenna Mathiasen, an objects conservative based in Kimmarthenshire. And I'm Chloe Ramsey, an objects conservative based in Manchester. Hey guys. Welcome to the show. It's a weird one today. Uh, first of all, I... I'm not I'm not in it that much. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of went AWOL, didn't I? I was like, this is happening! We're going to do this. Can I, can I do this? Can I do this? Please, please, please. <laughs> it was really, like, really good. Yeah, okay. Yeah, sounds all right. I hope I was more enthusiastic than that. And also, I was you invited are... to come along, but I was like, I just can't. I just can't. I've just been yeah. out of office for way too many days in a row and I can't. Yeah. It's one of those, like, can't do everything, guys, situations. Yeah, absolutely. Otherwise, I would have loved to be there because that would have been cool. But yes. So today is a takeover special, which means that it's actually you, Chloe, and... Jane Henderson and Neris mm-hmm. Rudder uh, running around having a fun time. At the new Manchester Museums. Yeah, very uh, shiny. They were the venue for a conference that I talk all about. What was the conference called? Oh, cripes. Do you want me to dig around in my in my bag for the grubby bit of paper? You have a grubby bit of paper for this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I somehow ended up with the printout. I don't know how. And then I tore it in half by accident. One sec. <laughs> Okay. Welcome back. <laughs> this is what oh, it wow, ended the up. the state of that. <laughs> Conservator. So I'm holding uh, the, the battered printout that was battered before it made it into my bag for a week and then I tore it in half by accident. It's called... I can read it. Changing the World, Approach, Strategy and the Future of University Museums. And it was the UMG standing for University Museums Group, Spring Conference 2023. Very good. Very shiny. Yeah. We get into that. It's fun. Um, But first, something unusual to our show. Mm. We've had a correction, haven't we? We have. We've had an audio correction, which is a nice touch and I enjoy it. Yes, yes. So, base, I mean, we did expect to upset people with the accreditation episode. Yeah, of course. But I didn't expect to upset people in this way. Basically, in our lighthearted brevity and, you know, super, super accessible approach to communicating things, uh, we actually (laughs) neglected to explain how the fast track accreditation process worked uh, in practice. And that, uh, that has annoyed some people pretty fairly. Yes, I was going to say rightly so. That's absolutely fine. Also, I actually lacked much of this knowledge. Like I yeah, knew yeah, very same. little about yeah, it. Yeah. And yeah, that's on me. I didn't go and ask people about it. And you're right. And and people are right to be annoyed by sort of repeating an urban legend about how things were done. I still feel like it's worth knowing that the opinion is out there. But also it's fair enough that it can also be incredibly misinformed. Uh, and that's that's the way. Sometimes we disagree on things or we have the wrong picture. And that's all fine. Like, that's just part of being a group of people that do things. Um, you know, that's part of being a profession. So but I think it's fair enough to address it. Um, and I think that's that's another part of being conservatives is, you know, recognising that sometimes we get stuff wrong and that we should yeah. address that in the future. And yeah. that's all good. Should we listen to the correction? Yes, I think that's lovely. This is a little comment or correction for the lovely C word. 
I enjoyed very much listening to your episode about accreditation and goodness me, good luck to everyone who is working on that. It is a huge mountain to climb. As you know, I still stand behind accreditation and I really think it will get you somewhere, but that's not to diminish how hard it is. But this is my comment or correction based on my historic memory of the fast track. Now, I will tell you how clear or unclear I am about these facts, but I'm just like to sort of restate how fast track was run back in the day. Because I think that perhaps it might make Jenny a little bit less worried about how many people are floating around there with fake accreditation, <laughs> or at least that's a little bit what was implied. So the fast track scheme was not just a scheme where fast track, where accreditation was given out to people willy-nilly. People had to apply for fast track accreditation. There was an application form and process. The application form had a CV. You had to demonstrate your training and experience and you had to give examples of your work. I am pretty sure like 95% but not 100% sure that you also had to provide two references. These were then screened to make sure that you had, you know, done all the things that you said you'd done and written all the statements and covered all the points. And then they were taken to a panel who reviewed them. So oddly, I think that they're probably, fast track process is probably a little bit similar to what sounds like is going to be proposed for the new accreditation scheme. It absolutely was not recognition given out by the old order to their buddies. You had to apply. There was two layers of vetting, if not three, but there was definitely two. Um, I'm 100% sure on that one. And the other thing that I think is worth knowing, and I've been trying to get to the bottom of this to give you a more precise answer, but I think that there is no one in UK conservation who is younger than 53 who has fast-track accreditation, but I'm 100% sure there was no one younger than 50 because I can remember two of the people who were as at the lowest end of experience it was allowed to get fast-tracked and I have checked how old they are. So fast-track accreditation, it wasn't just giving out stuff to your friends. It is a limited amount of people and you're pretty sure that they're 53 and over. So I do feel that wasn't quite as bad as it sounded and probably doesn't have such a profound impact anymore on the sector. Really hope that's helpful. Over and out. I mean, Jane, you're always looking out for us. Yeah, you are. <laughs> also, can, but can I just say, I never said that anyone was having, like floating around fake accreditation. I, that's not... Fair enough, dude, that's what you took away. But that, I didn't say that. And I didn't think that. Uh, the, the issue still stands with the, the lack of standardisation. So that point still stands. I think it's, it's um, really good to know the process. Other people have also written in and explained the process in more detail, which I think was fair and informative. There was definitely a feeling from some people that maybe fast track was sort of more, not forced upon them, but was certainly very heavily implied that they had to do. And I think that is a really interesting yeah. point that, like, where do you strike that balance, not only for the, the, the people who went through fast track, but for, for anything in a profession like this like how do you strike a balance between we'd really like you to do this because we mm. think it's good for the profession versus you have to do this there are no alternatives or mm. we'll break your fingers sort of things you know like uh, you know uh, how do you strike that balance I think uh, knowing more about how people felt about it makes me 
more concerned about yeah about having this as a process in some ways because you don't want to go down the route of being like the only way to be a conservator is to do this because i think that's a bit naff yeah i think that the the very the impression um from one of our contributors was very much the feeling was that they were strong-armed into it otherwise they wouldn't be able to in the future everyone's going to be accredited no one's going to be able to practice unless you're accredited um like oh Maybe because it was new, the impression was that that was where it was going. But still, you're going to get people that can't afford it or you're going to get people that don't want it or people that aren't there yet and that they still should be able to to practice. So yeah. I think there's there's a lot of really interesting stuff to be said about the history of accreditation. Yeah. And I think there were some interesting points being made about things about uh, things like cost, for example, that uh, it didn't used to cost as much even when adjusted for inflation, mm. but that there wasn't the mentoring, the workshops, the advice and stuff mm. that accompanies it now. It was a much more you're on your own kid sort of um, <laughs> uh, approach, which um, I, I guess with a new system with teething problems, you would have, yeah. you know. Um, Though I still stand by, like, you should be able to do it on your own. It shouldn't be hard enough that you need all the help. Oh, yeah, no, I do. I do definitely agree. I do definitely agree. So I'm hoping that this goes somewhere to address um, what we got wrong about Fast Track, hopefully. And yeah, we're not trying to slag anyone off. Come on, guys. Talking about a flawed system is always going to be a problematic thing, isn't it? Um, Since this is now our comments and corrections section that's just at the start of the episode, yeah, uh, I thought I'd just mention that we've had uh, another couple of emails and it's someone who's gone through the accreditation process and they wanted to give us some moral support. They wanted to say that... Uh, they did submit WhatsApp messages and emails as evidence with kisses and love yous in it. It doesn't matter. You can always shade any text that you want to hide, but ultimately you it's absolutely fine to use that as evidence. And I quite like that. Thank you so much for telling That's us that. That's so lovely. Also, um, I really like the idea of um, having like really like blacked out lines in your emails <laughs> redacted <laughs> redacted and actually it's like this restaurant on this street's really nice kisses bye <laughs> and finally we've got one from uh, an emerging professional who wants to be anonymous uh, who said there's a lot of feelings in the emerging professionals community that are never voiced to the wider community for fear of blacklisting uh, about things like lack of support and accessibility mm. um, and that sort of thing and that it feels unachievable uh, something people don't see themselves as able to complete uh, very expensive very uh, complicated uh, sort of absolutist nature of the framework uh, like if you're not accredited then you're probably no good uh, and how that <sighs> makes new people feel in the field and I mm. think we're bad at remembering that it's not just about like the people who have been doing this for years and years you know like think about what this environment does to to the young people as well I think if you're starting off on your career and you you already think okay you've done your degree and maybe you've got a, a year or two of experience this should be a process that feels like you can approach it. If it's designed to be the next step in a conservator's prof- continuing professional development, which it is, that's how it's designed, that's how it's phrased. It's very much all of the positive, lovely stuff that Heather was saying in the episode. But if you're emerging professionals in the field, don't 
see it as something that they can approach in the future then there's something deeply wrong with that absolutely and there's there's and that's just that's just a fact that's that's for the people involved in developing accreditation to really prioritize as an issue and we do know the you guys are listening so you know thank you as well yeah. for doing that uh i think that probably covers our correction section uh, i think so should we go on an adventure in manchester now i think we should so I'm somewhere fun today. I'm at the uh, Manchester Museums for a conference um, by the uh, University Museums Group. Um, I can't remember the programme, um, but I have found Neris! Hi Neris! Hi Chloe! <laughs> so we're going to attend the, I mean everyone's filtered in to the first session, so um, we should probably go. We've been told to save Jane a seat because yes. the train is running late and we've had pastries and we've had juice yes. and we're allowed to take the juice in with us. And that is about as much as I know. <laughs> well, we do have a wonderful presentation by Fan uh, on the China Gallery, which uh, the uh, Town Hall Collection uh, through the Manchester City Council loaned a couple of pieces and that was oh. under my purview so i'm really excited to see her presentation amazing yeah excellent yeah so this it's like talks and tours and um we're gonna get a chance to walk around the new galleries which is really cool we're just walking to the oh is this a new conference street right should we go over there where there's seats Look, we're together. Yay! Jane has arrived. Jane has arrived. Tea has been drunk. And more tea is going to be sought. Very urgent. Yeah. That was a good talk. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. I have thoughts. You have have thoughts? thoughts. Can we share the thoughts? I think I need to refine my thoughts a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the topic, I'll describe the topic um, as keynote speakers, Zoom call from Australia in the middle of the night. uh, examining the relationships and partnerships uh, for repatriation of cultural heritage. Yes. Um, lots of things were said, and they were talking quite in depth about the way that they do things and what the people want. Um, my favourite bit was the language barriers thing. The, the description of there being a language barrier meant that the people that they were talking to actually... El- was sort of they didn't get all of the argument basically is what I'm talking about they were able to curate what it was that they handed yeah. over culturally and I really like that because it was about control and yeah, exact exactly. thing that they controlled what was translated so they had the opportunity to discuss and share but by knowing that the other person didn't speak their language it gave them freedom yeah and I just think you know sometimes we think you know more knowledge is better always mm. but actually it was a really nice um, break yeah yeah. Do you have thoughts? I'm so conscious that Jane needs tea. No, I have, a, I have more thoughts. <laughs> My positive thought that I found really nice was thinking of um, restitution not as a restitution project, but like any other community participation project. I thought that was so powerful. Mm. You take the collection, you discuss what stories, you talk about how you want to go forward with that collection. Mm. And the fact that restitution is the outcome rather than, you know, an exhibition in a museum in Manchester. <laughs> with wine sh- and a fancy yeah, opening. And cheese. Yeah, <laughs> Why? And I thought that was a really nice idea. Why are we separating the process? So I did think that was a really positive takeaway mm. for me. 
Um, I had thoughts on about the holistic care of these objects after they had been returned. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the return or the repatriation of items is only a small part of um, our resp- of the West's responsibility to these communities. Uh, okay. um, so I would like to see more uh, thought and more discussion on how um, how these communities can then be supported in not only um, receiving back these objects, but also, you know, they spoke about how they were teaching them how to then make better calls for repatriation, uh, which I is see. fair, which is fair, but I would like to see more... Um, training in how that how the information can then be used for the betterment of the community mm-hmm. uh, to be able to, to not just get back the objects but also to be able to advocate for themselves yeah. in a glo- because we're talking about a global issue here mm-hmm. so you know those communities need to have a little bit more support I think I love that you both like, I need to organise my thoughts, but also this, and then came up with really nicely organised thoughts. So, it's lunchtime. We've got lunch. <laughs> the talks overran, because um, they were super interesting, but they overran. And now we might have like T minus five minutes to eat a huge plate of sandwiches before tours begin. Um, we've decided that myself, Jane and Neris will all be attending the same tours because it would be fun Um, and particularly also Neris chose cracking tours to go on and she was the one that signed up first so we're just going to follow along with the tours that she chose because they sound great Um, what's happened so far yeah so I should mention that this is um, an event being held on International Museums Day um, and the themes key themes are well-being and sustainability on the day and for the event as well so um, that was presented by um, the first speaker or the, the introductions um, as like a sort of this is what we're doing today kind of thing so that was really good um, and quite a lot of that has come up throughout the talks as well um, who have I met? I've, met, I've seen loads of people I know which is terrifying uh, particularly good to mention though saw David Gelsthorpe for the first time in ages since we did the interview for the natural history conservation um, episode years ago like four years ago um, and then saw George so hooray hi George George um, was talking about the success of the um, reopening of the museum that she talked about in the episode last year on uh, capital redevelopment. Down one flight and where? Through the something that I reckon. Oh, through belonging. belonging. That was it. I was yeah. it was discovery, but I knew it wasn't that. We're super late for um, the South Asia Gallery tour, and Neris is upstairs showing the, showing the true priorities. Um, by finishing her cake before she joins us. Right, but that's brilliant. The conservatives say you're not allowed to eat cake in the gallery. <gasps> is this? Oh, is this way? Is this way? Walking rudely through another door. South Asia. Ah, South Asia. Here we are. Don't go to the Egypt. Oh. Here we are. 
do, do. Oh, here we are. Got it. We sort of missed half the tour, didn't we? Um, sadly. sadly. Amazing gallery. I love like, it. It's really The colours are fantastic. Joyous, isn't it? it is. It is joyous. Um, something that the curator said, though, was, this is always going to be a story-led gallery rather than an object-led gallery. And I was and like, said, but, but... And then she said, even the, um, a, a leaflet from the floor is important. It's like, but that's why objects are important. Exactly. <laughs> because important. Objects are stories. Yeah, objects connect people. <laughs> it was funny because we both yeah. laughed. Yeah, a little bit. But that, that means that conservators have more work to do to communicate that objects are stories. Right. <laughs> well, no, but the... Neris is just giggling in the background. But the, the objects, there shouldn't be a hierarchy. So you're mm. not overthrowing a hierarchy by saying this leaflet will collect this and this somehow says we're not collecting objects. No, this is an object. All things are things. Mm-hmm. Exactly. All things connect people to people. I think the problem is that museums have created an idea of what are the correct things to have. Mm. That's it, because she mentioned we wouldn't want to put on just a statue or yeah. a lovely artwork or she something. She doesn't want... Like, yeah, well, that's not what we're talking about when we mean objects. I think she doesn't want to have what is traditionally considered mm, to be yeah. acceptable cultural heritage, acceptable Which is fair art. enough. Yeah, totally reasonable. 100%. Should we not, we're not be late to the next one? Let's go now. So we found the... Um, the Chinese Culture Gallery. Um... Interestingly, we were only a tiny bit late for it. Um, interestingly, the tour leader said that it was um, curated in quite a different, or developed in quite a different way to the South Asia Gallery. So instead of, uh, I think she said, like 30 co-curators to the South Asia Gallery, picking you know some of their own objects as well as objects from the British Museum and others. This one was working with an artist, with some co-curators, and some collections in Greater Manchester uh, and stuff, focusing on different themes like the environment and uh, different aspects of culture and migration and stuff like that. Uh, I'm rushing because we're trying not to be late to the next talks. Oh, Neris is looking at cake. Jane is looking at sandwiches. Do you have any thoughts, Jane, on, uh, on the tours? I think we needed more, didn't we? That we needed just... a bit more time. <laughs> <laughs> there, was, there was something really interesting, what Chloe was talking about, the different ways that they've been curated and different partnerships and different mm. ways of approach. Mm. And you could... I don't think I would never... I wouldn't have seen never had been told, but I think yeah. when you've been told, you can see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'd really love to, you know, take away from... To stand back from all the other issues and just look at that. Yeah. Just how the partnerships were formed, how you recruited people, mm-hmm. forming around individuals. The, the South Asian Gallery, that whole everybody, everything and everyone is equal. Yeah. Whereas in the, the Chinese Gallery, there was definitely like a benefactor and there was key figures. Yeah. And people whose yeah. keywords. Yeah, yeah. Not yeah. that they were more important, but they were. Anyway. It was just different. It was just different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But really nice. I think you. 
won't get bored in these galleries. No, well, if these two are the... Uh, uh, anything to go by. Anything to go by. We're yeah. going to have a great time this evening at the drinks or whatever it is that's no. happening. Looking around. Yeah. Looking around, yeah. We Whenever recommend it. Get to look around. Yeah. 10 out of 10. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, really amazing finish. Um, I'm interesting that, <laughs> interested that they said, oh, so we're expecting the lifetime of these galleries to be about 10 years. And I'm <laughs> sitting in a museum with galleries that are now clocking on to 13 years old like oh man <laughs> and, and they've got a budget to update it as they go a budget to update it as they go How can we gorgeous. just sit that with that for a minute How gorgeous oh man afternoon session time uh jane's just run off for a pen and she's the one with the schedule printed out so i have no idea what's going on <laughs> she's back Okay. Oh, we've got case studies. I was looking forward to this bit. Museum of Medicine and Health, reimagining and reevaluating in the new Royal College of Music Museum. Love it. Mobilising Oxford's cultural assets for social prescribing health and well-being. I mean, there's loads, so I won't read them all out because their talks are starting. So uh, yeah, we just sat through. Sat through sounds very much like it was a trauma. It wasn't. It was delightful. We just um, attended. That's better. The um, uh, the second half of the day, which was uh, a series of case studies, um, and a lot of them were very. I mean, they were all pretty enjoyable. Um, but Neris, you said something very interesting after which one was it um mobilizing oxford's cultural assets for social prescribing health and well-being so yes the social prescribing um i found that their introspection into their program and whether Mm. it was actually making a difference was commendable yeah as well as the presentation by the Royal College of Music. We liked him, didn't we? Yes, because it was he very was transparent, good. Yeah. very honest about... They've had this um, major um, redevelopment programme, um, but what's the aftermath? Mm. Um, and are the, is the current programme of having the students pay for the ongoing maintenance mm, that that's within the model. their fees? Yeah. It, that's the model, whether that is actually ethical. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> round of applause side note I once asked that gentleman if he would take a drum from me and he said no very a, kindly he said no a drum a very very large drum over three <laughs> meters tall um, no, wide sorry so do I know the drum you're talking about Commonwealth Games yes yeah <laughs> <laughs> the one that uh, that um, the rower beat <laughs> I love that you said that as though you were asking him on a date, but actually offering him a massively oversized museum object that no one in their right mind would want because it's so awkward and huge and heavy and easily damaged. I mean, a date with me could be kind of like the same kind of anxiety (laughs) prescribing kind of... um kind of activity <laughs> one never knows it just depends on Each how i feel <laughs> yeah. so yeah so his his um his call or request to have some some feedback mm. on whether those models were 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 conti- sustainable really yeah i thought it was commendable ethically and financially sustainable yeah. was really nice 
I think part of it comes from I was one of the last cohort to be able to have my bachelor's p- fees paid when I many many ah. many years ago. So I'm I'm putting an age on myself, but it's really interesting that a, a generation or two later, it's it's almost a given that mm. universities are this um, money making endeavor. Business. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when literally just a few decades ago it was the government that was was funding the universities but that might be another conversation oh man that's a whole episode topic isn't it yeah my favorite one was um uh thank you (laughs) we have one slightly battered printout copy um yeah so my favorite i think of that um set was the egypt dispersed heritage and comics one um partly because um my old university friend heba was the presenter (laughs) one of the two presenters um partly because she is wonderful um and partly because it was just a really like wonderful combination of two of my really big interests and that's heritage and museums and the sort of ethics around repatriation and Egypt as a cultural entity mm. because when so when I went to Cairo a couple of months ago um, and we learnt the sort of we were presented on our, a tour the Egyptology of a certain number of sites we were like god it's a breath of fresh air to hear this from an Egyptian person mm. who's actually talking about their own history it's just it's just completely different and you don't realize it in this country until you're shown the alternative because it's just it's just a given of course we're talking about the ancient egyptians and we're going to do all the colonialism things and like of course we own this we're the uk right um anyway so um it was really nice because she was working with um a cartoonist called nasa um and um they were talking about the collaboration basically and how to communicate the different issues of that um, and like recognising the dispersion and recognising the the sort of disparity and lack of ownership that they have in their own culture. Anyway, it was fabulous and I need to go and give her a hug um, because I just just really, really enjoyed it. Um, Um, I'm going to jump in here because... Coming from a multicultural background myself, mm. coming from one that is um, that is pigeonholed mm. often as well, um, it was very honest and very true, mm. and it is from the perspective of of the 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 indigenous community, mm. which you often do not hear. Mm. Um, so yeah. she, she would have spoken about rehumanizing artifacts, um, and that collections are put on display and they're not relatable to the contemporary Egyptian communities. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I think, is something that you're going to find in so many different um, post-colonial societies. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that her, her very valid statement, which was, our heritage is welcome, but the person is not welcome. Oh, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That, that was an emotionally fueled. And the, um, what was it? Was Our heritage. Was so nicely with the cartoon as well. It was, it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. There were some cartoons, to, some um, comics to go with it. Um, and the phrase, our heritage wins over our lives, mm. is just like talking about not only the problem of getting visas and traveling around, but also the, you know, access to 
safety. Safety. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, who, and transport. Who's allowed, and who's allowed in the country? Who's allowed in the country? Who's allowed to do what? Mm. It'll be the inanimate objects over the Egyptian people. Yeah. Um, it's just. It was just really, like, light-heartedly presented, but powerful. Yes, and that's exactly. That's I think one of the most. Um, workable solutions where it's simple mm. it's direct mm. um, but there's some humour to it so yeah. that people, it, it does lower the, ba- the, the barriers that yeah. people put up yeah oh so. nicely put lowers the barrier lowers the barriers that people put up it's like you're super good at this or something <laughs> So one of the things that I am really enjoying about attending a conference with Neris is that she will take two desserts. And I'm like, yes, babe, this is how to live. Everyone else has had theirs. There's some left. We're not taking too many. It's perfect. Thank you for this insight into life. I feel inspired and invigorated. So that was the final session, a panel on uh, funding, and it was all very interesting, entirely not relevant to me, but um, (laughs) Jane, who is walking way ahead because she wants to get to the wine, yeah, she asked some very uh, interesting and uh, provocative questions (laughs) and made some very interesting points as well, which were valued. Oh, where are we now? (gasps) Oh, this is the Egyptology bit. Right, so we're walking on top of a gallery... Oh, I love iridescent glass, don't you? I've passed that. Oh, glass disease. Glass, (laughs) love a bit of glass disease. Oh, 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 and there's a suspended gloved hand. With a poem. With a poem. Oh, I'm not into poems. (laughs) (laughs) If Jenny was here, she'd be into poems. Okay, we found Jane, and now we're being led. We were discussing doing poems about conservation and why there aren't enough for a dissertation. Oh, I literally just said the words, I don't, do, I don't do poems, but you do poems. Well, in conservation, there has to be space for poems somewhere. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, I see that. Why are we in, are we in a zoo? Jane, Jane there's a, there's a, they're the real ones. So we've gone into, what's it say? It, there's no, lab- oh, Viver- it's, we're in the vivarium, this is live animals, everybody. Oh, how cool is this? All the lights are off. Oh, look, he's so green. You got a... No flash. Now, this is a good place not to flash, isn't it? As it were. As it were. That's in the blooper reel. (laughs) Blooper or actual. Oh, my giddy He is. Oh, my God, he just turned around. He's turned his back on us because he doesn't agree. Neris is having a tiny meltdown. He's gorgeous. I want... So, our whistling frogs are about oh. half that size and they make the most noise it's not amazing well he is closely he's not related. a red one he's obviously a blueberry poison duck or would you say like a mint chocolate chip poison duck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's bright green and brown uh, uh, black flecks He's a mint choc chip. He's a mint choc chip poison dart. What else is in here? The green tree monitor. It's dark and I'm guessing we're not allowed to turn any lights on or anything like that because um, it's probably got something to do with their like sleep cycles or something. 
I imagine. I wish somebody was respectful for my sleep cycles. That's all I'm saying. Oh, our animals are going to sleep. The vivarium is set to a 12 hour day night cycle to keep consistent environment for the health and well being of our animals. Please do not use torches or lights during this time. Thank you. Oh, that I. That's, I'm going to put that up on your office door. On my, <laughs> no, it's going to be on my bedroom door when okay. my partner comes in with a torch because I've turned the oh, lights off. I'm sleeping. Oh, look at this. Well, this is beautiful. Oh, <gasps> Porcupine, can we have your quills, please, mate? <laughs> yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm so glad to be the company of people that understand that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is he going to shed any? Look, you can see one there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, dear. That makes me feel uncomfortable. Jenny and I went to a zoo once and there were porcupines and there were quills everywhere and we're like, can we reach? We wish we could, but we, they, we didn't want to be attacked by either zoo people or... I tried to collect an emu feather from an emu cage for a feather collection. Yes. And the lesson from that is that they can bite you really hard. Shit, were you bitten? Very much. And I was with a small child at the time. It was quite an effort to stop him from seeing all the blood pouring out my fingers. <laughs> okay. Okay, my God. <laughs> It does. It feels really museum-y. Is it a good thing or a bad thing that I feel at home here? It's okay. It's okay. It's okay to be okay. <laughs> You're comfortable. Yeah. There's some slightly, you know, classic 1970s lighting. Yeah. So all the case glare. And yeah, I like the case glare. And the slightly <laughs> jarring lighting. And then there's obviously some, you know, random bones hanging in your eye line. Of course. This is actually, well. these cases um, are the, the, the cases that were depicted in one of the talks about um, colonialism, pervasive structures. <laughs> wooden, wooden and glass showcases. Yeah, that slightly yeah, warped, yeah. Painted, yeah. grainy thing. Do we have UV film on this glass? No. no? There's something going on. No, no, there is. Yes, there is. Look. There is. Oh, yes. On top. It might be security glass, actually. Oh, okay. Because below shoulder height, you have to do something about glass for health and safety. I see. Okay. I didn't, I didn't know that. There's a kind of a slightly, you're looking in the store feel about this, isn't there? Oh, yeah, no, that is... must be why I like it so much. Yeah. This is, this is the quintessential oh, so balcony. Yeah. History, Bolton Museum, Horniman Museum. Swans even. Yeah. And it's, 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 it's iconic. It is. Iconic is a good, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like familiar, but then also really, really hard to, you know, move beyond when you're trying to do something different because it all just carries so much, carries so yeah. much meaning and so much embedded meaning. And we know how this is because we know how museums are. Yeah. Which but then we have got the other areas of the new bits yeah. of the museum to sort of counteract some of that with its yeah. modernity like the ones we were looking at before no i'm okay with the mixed diet. yeah oh jenny would love this jenny we miss you what have we got what have we got a lizard showing internal organs it's labeled it's got little little labels within the fluid four five three nine <laughs> dissection <laughs> lizard to show its chief blood vessels. Oh, wow. He's also a character in an American TV drama, cop drama. Chief blood vessels. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what did I 
identification. Oh, 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 tell us about order identification. Something I haven't had to do since I left the course. <laughs> you did it on the course? I didn't do it on the course. I think we, we, did, do, we did some research on it, yeah. Oh, wow. I think, yeah, I think I did. Oh, well Yes, done. I did. Close. Is it wine time? Okay, okay, I'm going to turn this off. Now we're going to be silly. Because <laughs> what we were doing was so sensible just now. Uh, we just saw some very, very cute um, pest communication uh, signs on the tables in a little cafe upstairs uh, talking about what um, a carpet beetle might have for, for starters, mains and dessert and with all different collections listed. Adorable. So we've just, uh, I mean, unexpectedly, I really enjoyed doing a bit of schmoozing was it schmoozing or we networked we networked we actually networked, networked. Neris is amazing at this in fact they're both amazing at this is fairly good at I just talked to my friend you're good at networking you're like hi I'm this person from here what do you do oh this is my friend we studied in Cardiff together they do this you might be interested for these reasons. I'm like, Jesus, how's she doing this? <laughs> I got at least one business card, so I can. She did, yeah. I got, um, I got the uh, Egyptian cartoonist business card. Oh, oh fantastic. Yeah. I followed him on Twitter. Oh, good. His work is excellent. Excellent. Oh, so we just walked through the bottom of the big... Butterfly. Past the... Was it past the, the butterfly? Not surround. Hang on, where are we? So, okay, more taxidermy. That's dismissive of all the taxidermy lovers. We are at the kind of awkward lighting place. Neris is tapping the glass. I did not. I pretended <laughs> to tap the glass. <laughs> right. So I would like to see uh, Egypt and Sudan. Um, I assume these are the new Egyptology galleries and related. Um, oh, what have we got in here? Bureau, uh, Bureau of the Centre for the Study of Surrealism and its Legacy. has an interesting selection of um, filing cards in colours that wouldn't have been around in the Victorian <laughs> So for context, we're looking through a window. Um, it's an installation and Neris has found the actual label so we know what's going on. Mark Dion is an American conceptual artist known for creating rooms or cabinets filled with natural history specimens and cultural objects. Love it. So we've got T minus. Uh, I, I don't know when you want to start ten. walking. Maybe maybe ten fifteen minutes. Yeah, ten. Uh, ten minutes. Ten minutes. So we're going minutes. to we're going to do ten minutes of this. In ten minutes, like people do in Scotland in a, in a day. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see what we can see in the next ten minutes then. Isn't it funny the way, though, that these things are just here? We had, you know, we've got the sarcophagus in Cardiff. And we had a group of kids in from the school, Switzerland, I think. And it was like, had a bit of a discussion, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's conservation, blah, 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 Egyptology. And then I just asked them, you know, what do you think? Do you think these things should be here over 10 minutes? Send it back. Not <laughs> a single one that thought they wow. should be here. That is you interesting. Know, and they didn't pause. They didn't miss a beat. It wasn't controversial. You know? It just didn't belong to us. It just doesn't belong. Yeah. yeah. And it is interesting to see it here without that question being asked. Mm. Maybe it is. Let's look around. The men are named. There's lots of really interesting and useful information that is genuinely useful and in information. But 
we're not seeing anything about why is it here? Should we have it here? They are saying that the bodies are no longer on display, so I feel like that's yeah. potentially a... It was much worse, and now... how <laughs> 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 we've travelled. Exactly. And you yeah. look at that pattern, that's gorgeous, isn't it? I mean, you could imagine a club these days without a wallpaper. I know, yeah. It's totally we are cool. standing in front of a large glass case with um, two painted wooden Egyptian sarcophagi and coffins um, relating to two individuals who are named. There are no mummies inside them. Apparently there used to be, though, for if, if the, the label is to be believed, which we assume is. Um, I'm enjoying the cases and I'm enjoying the glass shelves for maximising content is beautiful i'm loving the maps inside the cases oh with the with the map of egypt and the different names of the places and the locations of the finds um that's all quite standard egyptology fare i feel admittedly i'm not reading all of the labels because we've not got time but it's gorgeous i think the really nice thing about being a conservator is that we don't really spend like we don't tend to just look, look at 15 things in 10 minutes. Mm. We look at one thing for six months. <laughs> <laughs> you yes. can look at this. I can't even pronounce this, but we can look at this stone ball. But you just want to stroke it. You want to yeah. be in it. You want to drink it in. It doesn't say anything about not touching, which is it interesting. Doesn't. And it's on open display. Unlike anything. Oh, there's a couple of, there's a couple of stone things. Jane is agonising about how little she's washed her hands. Well, you know, we've had snacks. Yeah, we? We, have, we have had snacks. And wine, and we were drinking red wine. Pretty sure we're not covered in red wine. But, but still. Uh, okay, we've, we've, let's move on to, I mean, oh God, the little, oh, I love little bone and ivory and shell doings. Wasn't that doings. Story interesting? Gorgeous. So interesting. Uh, this was um, in the first talk, the keynote, um, about the um, photographs of little dolls made out of shells shown to um, the community members um, and they remembered vividly playing with them um, and it was something that wasn't done anymore and so they started then making them as a sort of like cultural... Um, like teaching the younger generation but also a sort of nostalgic thing which is really nice this is a really nice example of the power of museums i mean that's what we should be doing yes it's like re-engaging reconnecting i remember those i loved them yes you know you haven't told me to but you know next time you turn up look we'll be making them again yes exactly different our way our generation's way that kind of connectivity and change i think we're now in the belonging gallery yeah um Oh, it's got lots. Okay, so there's, um, there's no time to do everything, so I'm just going to describe. There is one case. These cases are the old Victorian cases. Um, so there's one case looking at relationships. Um, there's one case looking at everyday objects, so like teapots and bowls and things. There's one about places, and we've got some um, like taxidermy. Um, 
quite a lot of wildlife stuff talking about that um and like i suppose animals bats in particular depicted in ceramic um oh jane's flitted off to um a case on movement oh wow oh my god oh my god i don't think i can read that poem without crying that's so good our ancestors gave us the heirloom and said keep it we replied keep it generation after generation we were trying to hold on to it to guide us in the right direction we got disoriented but we kept the compass it's safe but not us we are not safe they said we die the idea doesn't die but it got confused we took to the street we shouted out for the lost idea we looked into each other's eyes and wondered do we still believe in the idea we answered yes we all do and ready to sacrifice ourselves for it it's freedom till we realized that the idea we fought for is a mirage individually we decided to flee the west extended their hands towards us one with compassion one with fire and the other to unite us to merge us with media to smear us with one color the color of refugees look at the refugees how they jump look at them how they breathe and how they overthink. They celebrated us. Exhibition for refugees, festival for refugees, Olympic for refugees, crisis for refugees. And I wonder, is that what we fought for? Do ghosts have more peaceful life than us? The poem is by Diala Brisley. Diala Brisley. And it's a life jacket. Sitting next to a life jacket. And a beautiful picture. That's very good. When we move, we carry our belongings with us. Oh, I'm not, I said I wasn't going to read all the things, but this is like, hits you in the face. I love this. I love this thing about everybody has things that matter to them. And it's so interesting, you know, people when they flee, it doesn't matter what, people always carry meaningful things, don't they? And it's just like, there's something so human about meaningful yeah. things. Yeah. Tea services, mm. musical instruments, and things that remind you, religious iconography. But we do, we carry things. Something so fundamental. It's like, why museums matter? Because yeah. However, however stressed we are, however much trouble we're in, we still try to carry things that speak of who we are. And you know, mm. that's beautiful. Mm. That's an incredible juxtaposition. Mm. We found the butterflies. We did. We were talking to an entomologist. 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 Um, who works? Who is an entomologist at the? Um, Manchester Museum, and she was talking about. Um, the, I think she was talking about the moment she found out that they wanted to, like, suspend a cascade of butterflies from a butterfly-embroidered um, garment. <laughs> um, and I mean, they've done an astonishing job, but I can imagine it was a little bit of a nightmare. Mounting well, mounting such fragile pieces. Yeah, and must 13 been, of them. Must have been exceptional. Oh, and the silkworms. Silkworms make me feel a bit squiffy. 
Really? Yeah. So, okay, it's not your favourite Well, no, it's not about that. It's the fact that they're boiled alive. Oh, the, the fate mm, of the, the fate, the fate makes of you the squishy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I've been trying to get my volunteers to, to, one of them to agree to do IPM with me, and they're all like, nope. What's nope. the matter with everyone? It's the very best thing. It's fun. I, even a, a colleague of mine, I was like, all right, Jerome, this, you know, you live close by, you can come in, you wouldn't have to go into work that often. And he's like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then I said, yeah, I looked at a trap and I nearly lost my lunch. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a dynamite. Say again? You, buy I'm them a dynamite. No. <laughs> so the, I'll be honest, there's a, there's a trap next to the archive that I looked at it I I left it there <laughs> I moved it back into position and I nearly screamed out loud because the spider on it was massive and still alive oh was it a huntsman yes oh, or like the, the, the house spiders that we get here they're not yeah. gorgeous no, they're, uh, so uh, what, what are our final thoughts I love the belonging gallery yeah I think that they have really played with the infrastructure, the architecture, and they have really challenged it. But not like in a jarring way, like, you know, they've taken it on. Like the colours and the mm. chairs, and you see the colour schemes and yeah. the way the legs are coloured and side panels. But they've still got the wooden cases. Yeah. You've got the wooden chairs, which are the exaggerated wood. But you can stop and you can read and learn. I don't know, I think there's no right way to do anything, is there? But there's something about this gallery that's quite invigorating, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. But also, like, it's not just, like... There's, there's, like, they care about museums and museum people and stuff and museum things, but they still want to challenge and make yeah. it better. Yeah, yeah, It's not just a complete rejection. Neris, do you have thoughts? So I'm very, very <laughs> grateful that Jane was like, Oi, come to this conference. I've had a wonderful day. It has been elucidating. It has given me some notes of things that I need to go home and, yeah. um, mm. and do. And I am so glad that I got to spend the day with you all. So I'm on the train home. Uh, it's very nice having a conference in Manchester, I have to say, because it's just a normal commute home. Um, how I felt about the day, it was so lovely to see Jane and Neris and to spend the day with them and share their thoughts. Um, I would have liked to spend more time in uh, the Chinese culture and the South Asian galleries um, and really kind of take in the different ways that they were put together. Um, I feel like we rushed through the South Asian gallery too much, um, which is a shame, uh, but that's because we were eating our lunch and... Um, you know you can't rush crisps uh you can rush crisps we did we did our best we still arrived late um and then on the way out we saw the uh golden mummies exhibition um and i desperately want to see that so um i'm going back basically uh, we just passed the doors and it looked all very fancy could have gone in but i wanted to walk back i wanted to get the train basically and jane needed to get her train so uh, so it was that and then on the way out we walked the way of the way in through the shop and i need to get me some shop action as well so i'm gonna go back um i mean from what i saw that <laughs> there's a reason 
that everyone has been loving the Manchester Museum. It's fantastic. It's really, really good. I've been really, really impressed. It's gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. Uh, so, yeah, congratulations, George, for uh, all the good work of you and your team and everybody else's teams. Um, it looks really, really good and it's been so popular and this is just what we need. We need museum uh, high-flying, <laughs> opening, famous, public eye, all of those good things. So, yeah, a good day was had. And if you're enjoying our podcast and the work that we do, including when we get things wrong, then you can support us on Patreon, which is uh, one of the, well, actually one of the very few ways that we get any money at all for what we do here. This podcast is done in our free time and that can be quite difficult sometimes. But if you head over to patreon.com slash the C word, then you can support us from as little as $1 per month. And that helps us uh, yeah, keep going, keep stuff online, uh, keep the lights on. It helps support what we do. Please do consider that. Thank you so much. Um, if you are considering it, we really appreciate it. And until next time. Thanks for listening. Read the C word and you'll be listening to Chloe Ramsey, Nerys Rudder, Jane Henderson and sort of me, Jennifer Ireson. Join us next time for an episode about time-based media conservation. In the meantime, you can check out our website at theseaword.show, tweet us at theseawordpodcast, find us on the Fediverse at theseawordpodcast at glamorous or simply email us on theseawordpodcast at gmail.com. The intro and outro music is Spring by Didi Mystic, used under a Creative Commons Attribution License. Additional music and sound effects by Callum Robertson. This has been a Wooden Dice production. <laughs>